The beauty of church, by the way, is that I can find a place where I can build relationships with others who have been accepted and, and wanted to be in the family of God. So there, so there, so we can push past just that first thought of, well, my family was this, and therefore family doesn't mean anything good. I think we have to do a, a revolution of terms, if you will, and that is we can realize that the family of God is a deep, meaningful, beautiful, purposeful opportunity to be together with other like-minded people. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It is a journey of faith that you have to do. It's not something that you can Uber Eats in. It's not something that you can pay someone else to do. It's a journey you're on, whether you like it or not, and you're only you're either growing or shrinking along the way. And we want to help you grow along the way. We are the Salty Pastor Podcast, also known as the Salty Pastor Faith Gym, for you to work out your spiritual works. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do the Salty Pastor podcast without a Salty Pastor. And we have someone different today, Pastor Harvey Friesen. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to be salty a little bit as well right here before Christmas. So glad to join you again, Jesse. Absolutely. We love having you on every time. And we are in the middle of our series, Coming Home for Christmas. We're celebrating the birth of our Messiah and all that that entails. And we are wanting to have you on because you're preaching this week and we want to talk about what you're talking about. So yeah, what are we talking about appreciate today? It. Well, so we're going to look at Luke chapter two. We're going to dive right into that Bible story of the coming of the Christ and him being born. And we're going to read that through the week, uh, th- uh, not through the week, on the weekend. And we're going to look into that story about how Jesus was announced uh, to the world and how he was uh, actually brought to our world lived in a home, right? I mean, God gave mm. him a family. And that amazing thing is that God's story is a family story to begin with, right? Is that he brought a child into the world, his son into the world, into a family. So we're going to talk about coming home and we're going to talk about what it means to actually come home and, uh, and not just on this home, but also the eternal home, and that is having a relationship with God and what God's big invitation is for us. Well, and I love this idea of family and home uh, around Christmas time because we do see so many people going home, uh, at least physically for the most part, or inviting people to their home to share in Christmas, whether they are believers or not, it's just sort of this set tradition of a lot of Americans, at least, of you bring people over, you celebrate the holiday, and it's usually with family. And so this idea of coming home is really built into us around this season, but we're not talking about you just physically going home to see mom and dealing with, you know, catching up with all that stuff. Instead, it's a celebration of going home to our spiritual father, right? And yeah. being part of his family. Well, and one of the things we do a lot of times, you guys, is we mistake means to an end, right? We mistake the means with the end. The whole notion of coming home, it's not about just being in a located place. I mean, you can be in a zip code no matter where you are. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. But but what the real issue is, is what? Are, who are you coming home to? You're coming home to be in relationship. Now, a lot of us have pain associated with our relationships. So relationships... Um, because the truth of it is, there are probably people that want to come home, they just don't want you to be there, right? <laughs> yes. And that's called going to a hotel and enjoying yourself in Cabo for the weekend, yep. which a lot of people will do over Christmas. But this idea of coming home, here's the real big idea. Jesus came not just to show up, but he came to be an invitation to come home to God, to be saved, to come to salvation. So it's it's 
So we got to understand, just like I said, means an end. It's not about just coming home. It's you're coming home to be with someone. And the notion of Jesus coming into the world is he came into the world to help us to be in relationship with the Father in heaven. So there's a very important reason why he showed up. I mean, I'll give you an illustration. So so this tomorrow night, I, I texted my daughter this morning. And I said, hey, one more sleep, which is what we used to use when we, when they were kids about like when mom was going to come home or when dad was mm, coming back yes. or when something was going to happen. So one more sleep and Micah and Weston are flying in. They're coming in from Omaha and they're going to spend uh, some of the holidays with us. And then they're going to spend Christmas Day with, with Weston's parents up in Yakima. So the, the joy of having them is really about uh, being together, not so much having home, but home is what is where the good things happen. So that so the idea is having Micah and Weston home, and we're excited for that. Well, and I think it's interesting, too, because sometimes, at least for me personally, like my dad will invite me to come home to visit him. And, you know, sometimes that's a scary thought. Like, I don't know what to expect when I go home because, you know, we have complicated relationships with family members and relationships just in general. And so sometimes not knowing what's going to happen can be really scary. Which is which is a very important part. And there, there are two little things that you actually touch on here. One of them is, is that we have to learn to disassociate our normative what happened in this world to us in what was called family mm-hmm. and what the family of God is. The family of God was intended to be the place where we are loved, known, accepted, celebrated, appreciated, and respected. That's what it was. And so one of the most beautiful things that happens is you can, I mean, I came from a pretty tough home growing up. One of the most beautiful things that ever happened in my life is I got adopted, James chapter 1, verse 12, sorry, John chapter 1, verse 12, into the family of God because I'm invited to become one of God's children in that process. Mm. So the, the notion the beauty of church, by the way, is that I can find a place where I can build relationships with others who have been accepted and, and wanted to be in the family of God. So there, so there, so we can push past just that first thought of, well, my family was this, and therefore family doesn't mean anything good. I think we have to do a, a revolution of terms, if you will, and that is we can realize that the family of God is a deep, meaningful, beautiful, purposeful opportunity to be together with other like-minded people. So, so those are, that's an important thing when we start talking about coming home, because you're right. I think sometimes people do flinch at the idea of coming home. It's like, I I don't really want to go home. Right. Yeah. So So, let's dive into the verses and, and kind of dig into Luke chapter two, right? Yeah, yeah. Let me re- so I'd like to read some of them for you here. So we study you know, study out of the NIV here this weekend. And there were shepherds, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, starting with verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So the, the interesting thing is, is I think Emma's Bible study or devotional yesterday morning was the notion of, is it God met blue-collar workers. God went to just normal people like us Mm -hmm. and said, hey, I'm going to introduce myself to you and come to you in your normal life. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And it's a very interesting thing is that the start of most relationships— is terrifying. Absolutely. You know, and and so here God sends his son into the world and 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 I I'm not it's not lost on me that the first people to connect with him are terrified. Like who's showing up? Uh, it, it, one of the things I'll talk about a little bit this weekend. So when I was in in middle school, there was a girl I loved. I, mean, I loved. I liked. I thought she was amazing. And her <laughs> name was Jackie Reinschmidt. And I remember our, our little three digit code in Clinton, Oklahoma, was three two three. And then you had the four digits after that, right? right? And you probably grew up in a small town where people would tell you their phone number. They just give you four digits, right? Yep. So 
I remember call, looking in the phone book, looking up Jackie, finding out what her dad's name was, looking up their phone number and dialing 323 and then the next three digits and then hanging up. <laughs> and then three digits and hanging up and three digits plus three digits and hanging up. And I, and I think that is kind of to play on words. We get hung up. We get terrified when we start really thinking about what God wants to have a relationship with me, which is why I think that it's so beautiful because God sent a broker. He sent Christ, his son into the world to broker the relationship with us. When you're buying a first house, one of the most beautiful, helpful things is when you have a helpful broker that wants to help you make this a better transaction than you would do it all on your own. Right. Christ comes into our lives, takes away the terrified nature of meeting up with the face of the living God. These guys met the angels and they were terrified, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. And this is the beginning of relationships. Okay. Most of us start out relationships scared to death. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. That's an important line. We a lot of times run over this little story. We hear Linus saying it, you know, in the, in the, in the peanuts thing and the Charlie Brown Christmas. Uh, but I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Uh, this is an important piece because God is now announcing that he's keeping his promises. Listen to this one. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born for you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This is really powerful and important because he announces where he'll be born, when he'll be born, uh, and that what he will be, he'll be the Messiah. And then he uses a word at the end of that, the Lord, which is a very powerful phrase. And that is God in the flesh. God himself is coming. So he's the savior and he's the leader. Uh, this will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and, and saying, um, what was he saying? Praising God. Well, let's finish with the praising God part. He, here's what's amazing. Once they announced the coming of the birth of Christ, that angel was accompanied, and all of a sudden they saw the full glory of God. Mm. And I think one of the things that I've known in my life, I mean, I've been a Christian for 35 years now, is, is that I have grown in my ability to see the full offering of a relationship with God and what that means. You don't just you know, it says in the scriptures in, uh, that we're called to be oaks of righteousness. Well, it takes 30 years to grow an oak, three months to grow squash, right? So we're in a world where Christianity is being sold as squash rather than oaks. Well, it takes a time and a series and a period of time. And over this little interaction that they had, they went from seeing one angel to seeing the host of God. And I think it's a powerful thing, too, because God, I mean, God was announcing his son coming into the world. Uh, one of the things that I'm going to talk about, I want to note a little bit, is the world hates Jesus as Savior, but longs for saviors and everything they want. Oh, my gosh. They look in every place. Everybody right? wants a Savior, right? I mean, the NFL team wants a quarterback who's going to save the franchise. I mean, look at the Denver Broncos. A little sidebar moment. <laughs> $254 million, and they got three wins out of it so far. Ooh, shots fired. There's there's some salt. They paid over. <laughs> they, paid, they overpaid for that. Sorry, Russell. I know you're a good guy, but you— not your year, right? So corporations are always looking for what? Someone to come in and save them. Uh, governments are always looking for what? Someone to come in and be the savior. It says in the text in Revelation that the world will get to be such a perplexed place that they'll invite the Antichrist to come in to be their savior because mm. he's offering what? What is it? What does the Antichrist offer in the end times? I, I know I'm putting you on the spot. You don't have to answer, but I'll tell you what it is. It's peace. 
What, what, what did it say that he came to bring? He will give great joy for all the people, and you will have a God who will come to you and give you peace savior right so so this is something we're going to talk about a little bit i think our main idea here that we're going to talk about over the weekend is is that god sent his son into the world to invite you into a real and meaningful relationship in other words he's like the broker that shows up at your house and says hey do you do you want to sell your home he invite he comes into our world he doesn't just wait now he's not pushy like a broker sometimes can be no offense to all you realtors out there uh, a little salty again but what he what he says is i want to invite you into a relationship and then god puts himself on the line god actually predicts the coming of the savior i want do if we have a minute i'd like to read yeah. some prophecies for Please you Please do Okay, so there. Here's a prophecy. Jesus's birth would be like other humans. In Ge- in Galatians chapter four four, it talks about the fulfillment of that prophecy. By the way, that first one's in Genesis three. Uh, the the fulfillment is says this in Galatians four. But when the time for the fulfillment came, his appointed time, Jesus. Uh, for Jesus, God sent forth his own son, born of a woman, born under the law. Powerful thing was, the prophecy was that he would be born of a woman. So we, we see it fulfilled. It says that he would have a physical uh, descendancy from the tribe of Judah. It says in, Saul, in Genesis 49, 10, And to him shall be the obedience of his people. Uh, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver between his feet until Shiloh come. The, the, the prophecy, and I know it sounds obscure, but he, God was keeping his word. Luke chapter 3, it says he was born there in Judah. It said that he would have a birthright to the throne of David. That was one of the prophecies. That prophecy was fulfilled in Luke chapter 1, verse 32, uh, 31 and 32. Um, these are very important things because we don't just have a Savior who shows up and says, I am a Savior. We have a Savior who actually fulfills the prophecies of God. He would be born through a virgin in Bethlehem, that he would be God in the flesh, that the Messiah would lead to mass murder. This is one that people go, wait, that's a prophecy? Listen to this prophecy. A voice was heard in Ramah, which you have to understand something is, is that in the West Bank, you have the town now of Ramallah, right? So root word, Ramah, mm-hmm. right? Lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted because her children are no more. They are not. It, we, 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 we hear this, and then it says this uh, in the scripture, then Herod, seeing he had been mocked by the Magi, was filled with rage sent uh, and sent and put to death all the boys who were in Bethlehem. So you think about this for a second, you go, wow, that, that's a prophecy that was fulfilled. Here's another one, is that the son, the Messiah, would come out of Egypt. Well, we read in Matthew chapter 2 um, that they went and ran off to Egypt, right? Because they were going to kill all the baby boys. Yeah, we boys. talked about that last week. Yeah, exactly. So here we are following it up. Uh, and then it would be a, he'd be a prophet like Moses, that God's spirit would be without measure from birth, and that Jesus would possess the key of David. I mean, there's all these prophecies from the Old Testament. And, he, and he, here's why I think it's important. is It's not just that God showed up. And I think we did a really good job of, of showing the foundation. I think Pastor Doug, myself, and, and Zach preached on that Bible series on the, you know, the, the, the reason why we have the Bible, did a really great job of, of establishing there is a historical accuracy, worth, and integrity of the Word of God that we're building our lives off of. All those prophecies fulfilled here in Luke chapter 2 are not just that he was coming home, but he was saying, I told you I'd be there. I told you I'd be there. And I, if one little quick point, keep that thought, is that when, when God gives a promise, he keeps it. 
And one of the greatest struggles we have in relationships today is that when people make a promise, the question is, do we keep it? Mm. That's right. We don't trust. Well, and I think the, the other part of that is because we see so much failed promises in our world, when right. we don't see an immediate, mm. uh, we, we don't like to wait for things. We want right? the promise fulfilled we today. We want the promise to fulfill yeah, today. Christ you is coming. When? Yeah. Right? And when? so, you know, this was a long time coming. It's like yeah. the first prophecy you said starts in Genesis. Yeah. In we don't see it for thousands of yeah, years, thousand years to, yeah. to come to fruition. So there is a issue with us where we're like, well, you said you would do this, but it's not in our time, and yeah. we don't like that. Well, right? The prophet Jeremiah said that, that part of what's required is a long obedience in the same direction, mm. right? Is that we are called to a long obedience in the same direction. But anything meaningful in life comes with that long obedience uh, that is there. Um, next thing we go into is the birthday party of Christ, where what, what do the angels do? They have this, the, verse 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Remember I said to you, the Antichrist will what? He will offer peace to a world that is filled with nothing but war. Mm-hmm. What did Christ bring into the world? The true Savior, the true Messiah, he brings peace. And there's a very important thing, is, is that there are people in our world that can keep peace, which is not really peace, but there are few that can make it. Okay. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Makers, not peacekeepers. Exactly. Peacekeepers never keep peace. It's a false thing. They create lumpy carpet. Everything just gets sweeped <laughs> under the carpet, right? Yes. So it says, and peace to all those on whom his favor rests. Now, there's a principle in here that I want to share with you that is kind of outside of the story, but I want to hear with the proclamation of Christ's birth, the celebration of everything happened, is God got the glory... And this goes to your point about feedback loops. God got the glory, the people got the blessing. That is a rule we should never, ever forget. This is a foundational biblical spiritual law of God, and that is God God, God gets the glory, we get the blessing. The glory went to God, and look what came upon the earth, is peace to those on whom his favor rests. The great blasphemy of our world is that we want to do, we always turn it around. We always want to steal the glory and when we want to say, we're the one that bless you, we'll say, oh, bless you, Jesse, bless you. Well, hold on, God's the one who blesses, right? right? And by the way, when, I, when, when, he gets, when he gives out that blessing, it is always left to us to bring glory to his name. And how do we do that? With gratitude. Mm-hmm. So that, that's something we'll talk about over the weekend. Yeah, I think it's really easy to do things and then forget how you got there, right? Like, I, I did the work, and that's why this is so great. And it's like, well... You did do the work, but God did the work through you. So really, this is his glory. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, we are masters of changing the transaction. One of the things we'll talk about this weekend is coffee and what it looked like in the 60s and coffee, what it looks like in the 2020s. Okay. When okay. my dad had a cup of coffee, he got a cup of coffee in a styrofoam cup, or maybe it was in a mug down at the local diner, right? He got a cup of coffee. It was what, a quarter? Who knows what it was? But it was coffee. And the only question was cream or sugar, mm-hmm. right? Or do you want to take it straight black? Today, you go to a place to order <laughs> a coffee, there's 400 different iterations of what is called coffee, coffee yes. right? And I want, to ma- I, want to, I want to make a really important point here. Remember, we we're talking about switching the glory. We want the glory. We want to bless others. God gets the glory, and he blesses us. And here's another place we've made a big distinctive difference. What we've said is this. We now prefer to have relationships with things and transactions with people. 
Mm. Think that one out for a second. We want to have relationships with things and transactions with people. I'll give you an illustration. Tinder is a what? A transactional marketplace of people saying, I'd like to transact with you. Ironically, when you go to the store, like if I buy my, I, there are a couple shops that I buy my wife, uh, Shadley, clothes or different things at for Christmas or birthdays or any of that kind of thing. And you know what's interesting is they, they, I've learned, trick to the guys, is that I've learned that I put in her sizes and and then they keep them. And then when I show up, I just go to the counter and I say, hey, let me give you my frequent shopper number or whatever. And I like to tell you about, uh, I'd like you to, to pull up that stuff. They'll actually print it out in some places, what our sizes are and like that. And then I'll go shop around from there mm. because I have done what? I've given them my name and my phone number and my email address. Now think this out. You've been to a place where it's absurd and they go, hey, are you in our database? And you go, you, you sell car parts. Why do I need to have a relationship with you? I just want to buy a, a, a new solenoid for right. my car, right? Why, why, are, why, are we, why do you need to know all about me? And, and isn't it weird that the world wants to have relationships with us around things, and they love brand loyalty, they love like frequent flyer loyalty, all these kinds of loyalties, mm -hmm. but don't want to have loyalty to people. Yes. We've again switched that over. And I want to talk about that. And that's one of the reasons why we struggle with the notion of home is that home has become transactional rather than relational, right? I, I've heard people say, I heard a person I know this week say to me, yep, I'm going to make the, you know, yearly pilgrimage back to kind of, you know, make everybody happy. Appease, appease everybody so then I can get another year without having to deal with it. Transactional. Yep transactional. And what I would say to you is I, I get, look, I mean, we don't live in a fairy tale land. Not everybody's got perfect flower, you know, flower. It's not like you show home, you know, show up at home and everybody's got, you know, smells like perfect perfume and everybody's <laughs> great and nobody, you know, has any history or whatever. But you, you know, God actually through the giving of the Christ gives the one gift. That's the best gift you can ever give. I'll mention it again. I do it. I've done it every Christmas. I've been here is I, uh, there's a perfect gift to give for Christmas. There's somebody in your life that you need to forgive because something happened this year. Mm. The perfect gift is to forgive someone. The perfect gift that God gave was, I, a holy God, will forgive you. That's what the whole story of, of Luke chapter 2 is about. Let's go back to transactions and relationships for a second. Is that when you think about it, and, and I think uh, this is a really incredible point, the reason why we like to have relationships with things is because we can control things. We can't control people. Yes, there's too many variables with people. Absolutely. And people have thoughts of their own. People talk back. How about you parents out there for a second? <laughs> All right, think this out for a second. Why do we love our kids for certain periods? And then when they are not so lovable is true or false, when they're not very controllable, mm. right? We all love that one compliant kid because they're controllable. What we struggle with is that kid that's got this big rambunctious, you know, personality. We use the phrase, a mind of their own. Right. And we can't control them. So, so one of the things that's interesting is, is that I think forgiveness is what greases the skids of great relationships when we do the coming of home. And where do you learn forgiveness? You learn in church. And, and and by the way, Christianity has on offer one thing that, that no other religion, and I hate to call Christianity religion, I think it's more of a faith, is that Christianity offers redemption, 
not just forgiveness. Forgiveness is offered in all the different f- religious systems of the world, right? Okay, right. you can be forgiven, you know, four goats, three of these, two of that, and you're on your way, right? That's forgiveness. Uh, but redemption is, and here's what redemption means, I will restore you to the great relationship we had or the health of a relationship that we were intended to have before you hurt me. Mm. That's called redemption. And what I'll do is I won't keep record. I won't keep an account. I mean, go into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? Love doesn't keep an account of all things that were wrong. Love hopes all things, belong, uh, believes all things, trusts all things, right? Love never fails. What is he saying is, is that we don't keep that record that the world keeps. So we'll talk about this more over the weekend, is that we, we, we do not want to have a transactional relationship with others, and we want to have transactional relationship with stuff. We want to have a real relationship with people and and coming home to christ means that we have a relationship with god through jesus christ the lord who saves absolutely well i know you had wanted to hit a few more verses do you want to knock those out before we run out i mean yeah sure i mean i think there's a couple revelation chapter 3 verse 20 think about this is that jesus says, behold i stand at the door and knock and anyone who lets me in i will come in and have a meal with them right? There's this really great dating service thing that goes on in the big cities, uh, mostly on the coast. And it's called, it's just lunch. And there's a play on the words with that. And that is, it's just lunch. And hey, I don't mean any more from that, but I'd like to get to know you. And and the only commitment is it's just lunch, Mm -hmm. right? But, but on top of that is that there's a powerful story or a powerful thing to that. Eating a meal with a person is an intensely intimate thing to do. Yes. Right? Now think about this too, is that you go from it's just lunch. A lot of times we'll go out on a date with somebody and we'll go out for a meal, right? And then if we feel more comfortable, we might invite them in for a meal. Christ invite in Revelation 3.20 says, I stand at the door and knock. I will come in and eat with you. Mm. And now there's a very important thing to this story, right? Is, is that if we want to impress somebody, we take them to a power spot for a lunch, right? If we all, if we want to control the environment, we take someone, we invite someone to our house for lunch, right? Jesus offers the different one. He says this, I'm at your door. I'll knock on your life and I will come in and I will eat with you. And notice this. He has no idea what you have in your cupboard and he's not going to judge you. And he's not going to have say, Oh, you didn't pick up the house. I mean, we do this all with our lives. Here's a great mistake we make with coming home to God. Once I get my crud together, I'll come home. Mm-hmm. The prodigal son is a powerful story because he realized I don't have it all together, but it was sure better to be with the father than it was to just be here slopping with the pigs. Yes. That's a big, big piece of this story. So we have this invitation from God to say, Hey, I have a way for you to come home and it's my son, Jesus. And we see this playing out in, he goes to these shepherds and says, Hey, you're the Messiah that I promised in all these different prophecies has come. I'm announcing it. I'm announcing it. He's here. We're ready to go. One angel, whole host of glory. Yes. Then what happens? Then what happens is, is that Christ comes in and he's born into the world. And we'll read those verses here over the weekend. I like to tease it a little bit. We'll do Ooh. application tomorrow, right? Okay. But we'll read more of those stories. But then what, 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 what the powerful part of it is this, is that there's the naming of the Christ. On the eighth day, the last verse is this, is that it, is that it says in verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which, w- which was just as they had been told. Mm. They knew what was coming, 
And they came rejoicing because they went, it happened. It finally happened. I mean, think about that idea when someone you really like actually asks you out or someone, some job you're trying to get, they call you and offer it to you. There's some great thing that happens in your life and you go, I was waiting, I was waiting, and it happened. And then after that, there's the powerful verse, verse 21, on the eighth day when it came time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus. They named him. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Jesse says a very important phrase. It says this, Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Mm. We try to save ourselves, that's being saved by Harvey. Harvey is own Messiah. We try to be saved by some guru. That's called following the Bhagavad Gita or the Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh or all those kinds of people. We, we, we try to be saved by being in a part of neo-tribalism. My favorite team, they're winning, and by the way, they're going to go to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we try to be saved by i'm gonna have the perfect gift and christmas is gonna be perfect and it's all kind of things like that and what i would say to you is all the things we try to make into saviors will always sell us short because they're not named jesus Mm. the greatest gift that we can ever get is that we receive the forgiveness of god which was given to us and the forgiveness of god that we can give to others so we're going to talk about that um and then it's going to come down to one question because by the way when you open that door and you let him in the real question you ask then in your heart is, can I trust him? Mm. Can I trust him? And the powerful thing is, is he says, um, um, you don't have to trust me necessarily. But what you have to be willing to do is, is trust my father who has sent me. Mm. That's a powerful story. I, I love this one line in, in the Count of Monte Cristo. The guy is there and he's in prison and there's a priest that's been falsely in prison and he's there as well. And the, and the, and they build a relationship through the wall and, and they do those kinds of things. And he comes up to the priest at the final of this crescendo moment. And he says, uh, you, you can quit father, pastor, priest, you know, you can quit. I've given up on God. And he says, that's okay. My son, he hasn't given up on you. Mm. that's the story of coming home. God is not forgetting, has not given up on us. And that's why it's so powerful because you can't earn your redemption. You can't do it. You can just receive the gift. And that gift was Jesus announced by an angel to some shepherds and then filled with a bunch of other angels who said glory to God. And that's the bright response. We're going to talk about that this weekend. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Pastor, so much for taking us through some of these verses and giving us a little bit of a sneak preview of this weekend. And then uh, make sure you guys tune in to uh, Thursday, where we're going to be doing some application with Pastor Harv mm-hmm. and talking more about Thursday. how these apply. Yes, on Thursday. So fantastic. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And we'll see you on th- Thursday here on the Salty Pastor Podcast.